This podcast is for information purposes only and is not and should not be construed as professional advice or an offer or commitment by any Rabobank group member to enter into a transaction. The views expressed by the presenter and or guest are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of Rabobank. Please see the podcast description for our full disclaimer. Welcome to Rabo Talks Growing Our Future, where we talk to experts from both here in New Zealand and across the world to bring New Zealand farmers and growers the information they need to make informed, strategic decisions about the future direction of their business to ensure they continue to thrive in a fast-changing world. Craigmore Sustainables is a unique Kiwi-owned and operated company that manages more than 25,000 hectares of dairy, forestry and horticulture properties throughout New Zealand. I'm your host this week, Katie Rodwell, and on today's episode, we hear from Ruben Casey, who's currently the Chief Operating Officer and Deputy CEO for Craigmore Sustainables. Ruben really values people, authenticity, sustainability and curiosity, and we hear this flow through our chat. We cover off what some of the drivers have been behind their focus on sustainability across their business, and we look at the opportunities and challenges across their hort, forestry and dairy farms. Ruben leaves us with an important message, reminding us about the value of sharing successes and failures with each other. Great to have you here, Ruben. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, I know, Ruben, you've got a really interesting background and I feel like we could do a podcast just on that in itself, but could you give us a little bit of insight around who you are, your background and your current role at Craigmore? Sure. So before joining Craigmore, I was the CEO of Kathmandu. So I was in, in with Kathmandu for about 12 years, so kind of a big change of scene going from retail into agriculture. And prior to that, I had a finance background. So I was the CFO and the COO at Kathmandu. At Craigmore, I'm the Chief Operating Officer or Deputy CEO as well, uh, which means I really look after the three main sectors that we have, which is forestry, horticulture and farming. And I look after finance and IT and uh, communications as well. So that's uh, where I fit into the Craigmore scene. Wow, big portfolio to look after. Just before we we get into the kind of Craigmore stuff, what was the reason for the move from Kathmandu to Craigmore, like from retail to agri? Well, um, I've been at Kathmandu for 12 years, so it was a good time to leave. And really, I've always been interested in working for businesses that I kind of align with the purpose and the values of the business. And um, sustainability was a big focus at Kathmandu. We were a a red certified uh, B corporation. Craigmore's philosophy or way of thinking really aligns with me personally. And it was great to be involved in the primary sector. It's uh, such an important part of um, New Zealand Inc., if you like. And it's an exciting growth path that Craigmore's on and, um, yeah, a chance to make a difference. So those things always tick my boxes. So it was you know, a natural fit in many ways. And I love to learn new things. So it was a great opportunity to get into something different as well. You've come to a good side of the sector. Yeah. <laughs> Can you just give us um, a little bit more information around Craigmore, like the farms? How many do you have? Where are they located? Just for the, the context of the conversation. Yeah, so we manage about one point, roughly $1.1 billion of investments. And it's about almost 26,000 hectares across the country, broadly split into three major sectors. So horticulture, which is primarily uh, apples, kiwi fruit, and grapes. 
and we do a little bit of squash and a bit of avocado. Those are based in Central Hawke's Bay, uh, Gisborne, and Bay of Plenty and Northland. And we have uh, forestry as well. So we've got about a third, it's roughly a third, a third, a third for each of those sectors. Forestry is in Wairarapa, East Coast and Northland. And then all of our dairy farms are in the South Island. So North Canterbury, Mid Canterbury, South Canterbury and North Otago. No sheep and beef? We've got one, one sheep and beef kind of grazing farm in Dunedin. Awesome. Okay. So you just touched on the fact that the Craig Moore's philosophies and are sort of aligned with your own. Let's start there. What is Craig Moore's philosophy? What are their values? So Craig Moore was founded on the idea of helping to kind of revitalise or bring capital into the rural communities and, and economy. It was obviously getting harder and harder for people to own their own farms, but we have uh, obviously great people in New Zealand who are really good at at doing what they do. So to keep that going, Craig Moore was founded on the idea of kind of joining up offshore capital with New Zealanders who can farm really well. And so they had some sustainability principles really in three broad areas and firstly people, so enhancing the safety and uh, the skills and satisfaction of people working in the agri-sector, promoting open and honest communication in all way of operating and also uh, trying to promote well-balanced communities so where we could make a difference by maybe a change in land use or more productive uh, that creates more jobs than really have a, having a positive impact on those communities that way. The other aspect is the environment, so really growing healthy, safe products and also um, protecting and enhancing animal welfare, biodiversity and soil and water health. And the last thing on environment was minimising the risk of chemical usage, harmful chemicals, and um, obviously greenhouse gas emissions as well. And then lastly, financial. So taking that uh, long-term multi-generational view, which is very aligned with our most of our investors are, are that way inclined, and making sure we look after our risks appropriately, but also trying to maximise our profits within that framework. So not it's not going to profit at all costs. It's, it takes into account all those things that I've outlined above. So really taking that kind of holistic view and trying to have a positive impact in the uh, areas that we operate. And, you know, we're lucky that we can do that at Craig Moore with um, the structure that we have and the investors that we have and the teams that we have that enable us to to do that because it's not always possible. Yeah, it's quite a balance, right? Like managing all of those threes and with the complexity of the variety of your business as well, managing kind of all of those together. What have been the drivers behind the focus around sustainability for the business? Uh, I think it comes down to the purpose of Craigman, which is growing the best of Aotearoa and really having that kind of kaitiaki or guardianship view. So leaving the land or the properties that we operate in in a better state, leaving the communities in a better state over that long-term view it nicely kind of aligns with our values, which is to understand tomorrow and at today. Now, we're not saying we can predict the future because um, if we did that, we'd be doing something different probably. But um, it's certainly about, you know, understanding that, especially in farming and horticulture, it's making lots of little small decisions that impact the future outcomes and getting the best outcome possible by by making those decisions every day. And then also uh, we connect and, and talk about connect and empower And when we talk about that, we talk about our investors have effectively empowered us to manage these assets on their behalf. We empower our team to manage their farms on our behalf, but we stay connected with each other, which provides a 
both a support network across various farms, which you know can be a lonely time out there. And also we have this uh, strong connection with each other and with our investors as well. And lastly, delivery with integrity. So really it's about making sure we do what we do with integrity and owning our mistakes, um, celebrating our successes, but actually not shying away from the fact that we don't get things right all the time. And that's okay. We have obviously best intentions to deliver the best we can. Yeah. And where did you start with this? So, I mean, you've got those principles, you've got the kind of drivers behind why you're doing it, which is led by your purpose. Where did you start? Like, how did you pull those together? How have you kind of tackled it? I mean, obviously, I wasn't wasn't there when we started. So, yeah, of course. From what you've interpreted, which is also just like an interesting angle, being reasonably new into the business, right? Yeah, and the way I see it is, we were growing quite fast at the time from the start, and we really had to make sure we trusted our people to deliver. And so, really, the solutions that we've arrived at come from our our farmers and our people who were running the investments for us and I think that makes a lot of sense because the people who are who are on the land if you like um, are the best place to know what works for their piece of land and how we can do things better and creating a culture that is safe to fail has been quite critical so not afraid to try things as long as we're not trying everything all at once and um, so if it goes uh, really terribly <laughs> Yeah, the whole thing uh, goes tits up. It's not good. So really making sure we have um, have that safe-to-fail culture in the right way and taking appropriate risks where we can. And learning from each other is really important as well. I'm, I think one of the benefits of Craigmore is we do have a number of properties spread across different geographies. And so we can learn from each other's mistakes and learn from each other's successes and share that knowledge across the teams. What works on one farm doesn't mean it works everywhere, but there's certainly things we can ideas that we can share and and try and and find out what does work and what doesn't work. So how do you how do you do that? I mean there's two things that I want to cover off there. One is how do you share because I think that's the that's the beauty of the like interconnectedness of the egg industry is that you know we've got all of these different sectors and there's things that you know we can learn from each other. In your context, how do your farm managers share how does the business kind of share that that insight and knowledge as they learn things? Yeah, so we have regular business manager meetings, if you like, where the farm, the business managers of various farms get together and talk about how they've tackled different things. We obviously compare performance across different farms and have an advisory committee that helps us evaluate what does good look like, and you know, so we can see outliers, and then we can try and find out what's happening in those places. We're also quite selective about how we do um, various trials. So, with a farm in North Canterbury, we um, have an eco pond partnership where we're trialing with Ravensdown. I think partnering is, is another key thing I didn't mention earlier, is partnering with different technology partners. We've done a trial with uh, Halter, uh, with uh, Ravensdown EcoPond. We're trialing the boluses to reduce um, methane and um, also invested in ruminant um, biotech, which is, again, a methane reduction. So partnering with various partners really helps as well. And you can trial it on one farm, see if you can make it work commercially or not um, before rolling it out to other farms. So you've got the sustainability principles. How have you kind of overlaid that at a farm system level? Sustainability can be a dirty word for some people, but the way I think about it is really about how you do things better, how do you do things more efficiently, 
using less resources and getting a better outcome. And really, that's the mindset that our farmers, I think all farmers, are always trying to do that, right? Yeah, just continuous how do you improvement, eh? Yeah. yeah, how do you get more out of your cow for, and get a better better outcome at the bottom line? How can you use less feed, less fertiliser and still get production? It can get kind of tarred with the environmental tagline. It's not really about that. It's actually about trying to do things better and, and more efficiently. And so we challenge our farmers. We ask them to challenge the status quo. We try and do things a little more, well, I don't know, not for sure, it's more innovatively, but we try and make sure we innovate and try new things. And so it's just really about the culture, I think, is pretty important in that equation and having your people feel like they are free to have a go and safe, empowered and safe to fail, yeah. And in terms of like what success looks like from a a more holistic kind of business perspective. I mean, you know, from a sustainability perspective or however you want to word it, what what does that look like? Like I know that you guys are doing the carbon zero dairy farm trial. What does success look like for you guys from a an investment kind of perspective in terms of how you're reporting on sustainability? Uh, I think for us, that continuous improvement journey is really important. So continuing to get more efficient with greenhouse gas emissions, Continuing to actually our, our zero carbon dairy farm is a plan that needs to really be fleshed out and um, have some kind of clear milestones along the way. So we're we're working hard on that. It's not really an easy thing to do. So no. <laughs> so we've got to figure out. You know, we've set ourselves a, an ambitious goal, and um, we've got to figure out how that's all going to work and come together. Which is a hag. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's always good to hear those kind of things when you come into a business. <laughs> you know, creates a good challenge. So it's good. Yeah, you, you said you loved a challenge, so there you go. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And from an investor kind of point of view, lots of our investors are based in Europe and it's a lot more of a focus in Europe than it is perhaps in other parts of the world. And uh, so delivering on both um, the financial aspect of delivering consistent returns over an extended period of time is really important. But also making making those gains on the on the impact and and reducing our impact is is not maybe it's equally as important, but it's, it's certainly a key factor for them as well. Okay, because I was I was interested. Sorry to interrupt you, but just quickly, when we talked about like what the drivers were around the sustainability principles for the business, you didn't mention the investors, so I was quite interested in that. But it is obviously important to them. It is. It is. Yeah. It's not the only thing, though, and but it's certainly uh, we set ourselves out. That's how we sell ourselves. So we have to deliver on that promise to investors that, yes, you're going to invest in, in this operation, but actually we are going, to do, are going to do things in a way that we think is appropriate. This is where we try and provide a balanced view. So it may not be the best, the best return you'll ever get, but it will be in an ethical constraint, so ethical uh, balanced approach. So, so we have to deliver on both fronts, really. And it goes beyond just reducing our emissions. It's it's really about improving biodiversity on not just our farms, but also forestry. We have uh, extra wide uh, riparian planting around waterways um, on our orchards. We also have native planting to really encourage that biodiversity where it's not really productive land in terms of growing apples or kiwi fruit or whatever. We can actually create corals for, for wildlife and, and we're seeing um, the impacts of that in one of our kiwi fruit orchards in, in Northland, uh, Weedower, there's um, a kiwi living there. So, Oh, wow. A kiwi on a kiwi fruit orchard. That's right. Amazing. That's so good. I love it. <laughs> Do they eat the kiwi fruit? Uh, I don't think so. I don't okay. think so, no. no. <laughs> but, 
that captured that on um, CCTV and stuff. So it's really it's really exciting to see that actually the fruits of that. You know. And so the Kiwi wasn't living there prior to kind of the the work that you've done. I don't know. We've got the camera in there now. <laughs> We've got a camera in there, but we've also done we have we have um, done a lot of native planting in that kind of area. So I think it's just created a, a more an environment where the where they're happy to be. So it's great. It's always good to see the sort of fruits of your labour. You know, excuse the pun. Yeah, and water water quality is an important one for us as well in terms of really assessing pre and post. So I know forestry is a bit of a dirty word for um, mm. lots of sheep and beef farmers, and some of the conversions we've done have been on you know, the kind of higher land use classes, we we do make sure that if there's productive farmland, we subdivide that off and, and sell that off and so only plant for trees on the on the unproductive land. Okay. But when you measure the, the water quality pre and post ownership, it, it does, it's quite remarkable how much biodiversity and life comes back into the streams going through the, right. the forest properties. So, yeah. Interesting. Do you guys share those reports and like the insights that you, you gather from... Your farms, do you are they sort of available for sharing to wider industry or do you just use them for your business? We publish an impact and sustainability report. We're doing our third one just in the final stages of doing that right now, actually. So we'll publish that and there's some we have different case studies in there about what we've done. Apart from that, we don't really publish it too widely. I mean, it's always a little bit kind of conflicting a little bit because on one hand, you're highlighting the, the impact of sheep and beef farming on the waterways. Yeah, 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 I get I get that, I get that. It gets a bit sensitive. Yeah, I know. And it is like um, we had a guest on the podcast a couple of weeks ago now and they've got some dairy farms in South Canterbury, mid-Canterbury, and they're sharing data. And he said, like, it's just not easy. You, they've got it readily available, but you, there's always going to be challenges when you do that because people have got opinions and, you know, I guess that's just the challenge of this whole space really. And it's not like each each farm or each property is a discrete ring-fenced operation with filters or barriers at each end of the... Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, if you're a farm in Culverton, you know, you've got a whole lot of other farms upstream. So the water quality in your farm or nitrate leaching in your farm doesn't necessarily mean it's a result of what you're doing right there. It could be upstream. So it's not a perfect science in that regard. Okay, what are the biggest opportunities and challenges for each of your sectors that you guys are working in? So hort, forestry and farms, what do you see as being the biggest opportunities and challenges in each of those sectors? I'll start with hort. The biggest challenge is probably developing that. Uh, we'd like to develop a, a um, stable, consistent labour force. The horticulture industry is very reliant on RECs, which is okay, but you know that could change you know, who knows what happens with different governments and different countries and then rules change and all of a sudden you've got no one to... And also we want to develop future leaders in the business as well. So we're really keen to try and develop those, that kind of labour force. That's a big challenge. The other challenge is just reducing reliance on chemicals. So particularly kiwi fruit, you know, this was um, with high cane, which is pretty instrumental in delivering a harvest and kiwi fruit. There was, you know, talk of that being banned, so we, we are trying different solutions there. Because there's, there's a bit of pressure from Europe in that space? Correct, yeah, yeah, there is. So that's a challenge and an opportunity, you know, if we can find solutions for that, that's a great opportunity to, yeah, to exactly. reduce your impact. And I think the in apples, the opportunity is, is pretty huge, actually. I mean, we grow amazing apples in New Zealand. We don't see many of them in New Zealand, actually, but 
what we do produce is, is incredible and we've got a massive development um, that we've converted. To, it was a sheep and beef farm that's converted into um, orchards in Central Horse Bay, which is um, starting to, to produce some great fruit. So it's a, we can use that as a um, great test case in terms of how you can cha- improve the productivity of that land of use. the land, yeah. crack jobs and better, la- better land use. And I think that's something that New Zealand will have to consider going forward because it's getting pretty difficult to make money in some sectors. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's opportunities potentially to, to have more productive land. In forestry, the whole ETS scheme is problematic. It's a challenge, uh, for sure. The Having the appropriate land use is a challenge. Like, yeah. where does the balance sit in terms of what's right and what's not right? You know, in terms of rotational forestry versus permanent forestry. I mean, all of our forests are rotational. Mm-hmm. They're grown to be harvested and replanted, which does create jobs in those communities. But as you've seen on the East Coast, it's also there's a whole lot of problems there in terms of the erosion and land. Even when it's planted, it's not it's still susceptible to erosion, whether it's natives or, or pine trees. And uh, a lot of those forests were planted uh, many years ago and not necessarily in the best way. Yeah, right tree, right place sort of thing, eh? Well, they weren't thinned and they weren't. Yeah. They were planted too close to waterways and there was things that you don't do nowadays were done things just because probably didn't really know and think about it. But the challenge is if you take all that away, it leaves a bit of a hole in the regional economies. But the opportunity, challenges always provide opportunities and the opportunities to find, find the right balance in that industry and have a sustainable long-term industry that actually helps provide jobs and income for people. And then in farming or dairy, which is most of our farming operation, I think, again, labour is quite a challenge. Like We have a lot of people on farm from overseas, so how, again, how do we make sure we keep building that that pipeline of people and people learn and come through? Um, mm. It's that, that kind of intergenerational thing has less and less these days and so how do we make sure people see it as a, a viable career that yeah and like a good pathway yeah you know need to make sure it's seen as an option and safety is a big challenge as well making sure that people are safe you know the stats on farming safety and farming are really not good and I think we've all got responsibility to do a better job there yeah. but the opportunity you know New Zealand is a we produce quite low emission milk the world is catching up that on our tail. <laughs> yeah, we need to make sure we stay on that and stay ahead of the head of the pack. Really, how do we do that? What's your view on that? I'm not an expert in dairy, so I don't I won't claim to know everything. But the fact that we have don't have access to like, genetically modified feed and stuff like that is a problem for us. We still are mainly grass fed, um, which is an advantage for us. And we have the climate that grows great grass, so yeah. we kind of we have that in our knowing else. You can't replicate that. But we have to keep innovating and keep keep pushing their boundaries and um, doing what we do. But it's not going to be easy, I think. Yeah. What do you think the future looks like? Like in 2050, what do you reckon our food and fibre sector is going to look like? I think by 2050, I think we will have achieved some sort of balance in terms of how we think about emissions in the agri-sector versus the importance to the national economy. and. Um, you know, you'd like to think there's some sort of trade-off there because it's pretty hard to see a way through and maybe technology has helped us get to a point where the emissions have been reduced a lot. Hopefully that's the case. 
um, in which case we're really just focusing on the quality of what we produce and we're doing it in a really efficient way, which I think would be a nice place to get to. It'd be interesting by 2050, there's probably quite a few demographic changes around the world, so our markets may look a little different. China probably have population decline. It'll be potentially quite a different market markets that we're selling into, which may change how we operate as well. So, yeah, and how we how we market to those customers, eh? Yeah, yeah. Before we wrap up, Ruben, any key messages or takeaways for any of our listeners that you'd like to share? I just think um, people are generally trying to do a great job, and so just encourage everyone and. In their journey, and um, make sure we don't all try and do it ourselves. Like I think, particularly when it comes to finding solutions, I think it really does is very helpful if we kind of help each other and share ideas and learn from each other and and try things in a in a safe way, which doesn't beat the farm. Excuse the pun, but yeah, you know, like let's try and help each other. We're all in this in this together. It's not like we're in an industry which is, I mean, parts of it are very competitive, but it's not potentially as, as cutthroat as some other industries. So so I think there's an opportunity to work together, help find solutions collectively. Yeah, and means something from you coming from the retail industry, eh? like in terms of the looking in at the at the sector from a like how do we work together perspective. For me, the kind of key messages that you've shared today around having partnerships, like the benefit of having partnerships and, and working with other people that are kind of experts in their fields, whether it's in technology or water quality or whatever it is and then also just to reiterate your point around sharing knowledge and like how you know how we learn from you know the likes of what you guys are doing at Craigmore Sustainables and how we readily share that information and insights and and challenges and and learn and grow from that. Yeah it's an openness to ideas I think openness to new ways of doing things I think is really important because it's easy to get stuck in your way and and just this is how I've always done it and it's worked okay doesn't mean that's going to work forever. Yeah, and not take it personally. Eh? Like what we've done has been, you know, awesome. It's got us to where we've got to, but it's not like it's a personal thing if we start saying, you know, farm systems might start looking different in the next five to 10 years. No, that's right. Um, Robin, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. It's um, always great to have people who have come from like another sector into the ag industry and just hear your insights and, and just to find out a bit more around what Craigmore are up to and what you sort of see the future looking like. So thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thanks very much. It's good talking to you. Thank you for listening to Rabo Talks Growing Our Future podcast. If you're interested in learning more about how Rabobank can support you to succeed into the future, please go to rabobank.co.nz.